Hello and welcome to the first real official episode of the New Player Podcast, where each week I introduce my friend Jose to a new video game. If you didn't catch the introduction to this podcast, I recommend going back and listening to it. I know for me it's almost like an instinct to skip the first episode of a podcast that just says intro, but I think for this show in particular, it gives a lot of explanation as to what exactly we're doing and who we are and just what the the goal of this show is in introducing Jose to some games. But this is our very first episode. We're here today to kick things off in the 90s with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist, which is not to be confused with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time, which is basically the same game and we'll talk about it. But we are joined to talk about it with a writer and the man behind willbetold.com, Ash Chohan. Ash, how are you? I'm doing good, Will. How are you? Absolutely. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> Today, we brought you on to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist. Can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with this game? Yeah, well, before we talk about the game, I think it's important to talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and how big of a phenomenon they were. So it was launched, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was launched in 1984. It was an independently published comic book. It pretty much was sold directly to comic book stores. At that time, comic book stores were kind of coming up. There was this thing called the direct market where um, publishers could sell directly to the comic book stores. And that created a huge back issue market. And um, that created like a huge collector's market as well. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was one of those titles that just, it just ended up, you know, getting a lot of hype from a lot of conventions and all that. Print ones were very small. Sooner or later, it caught on, and it just became like this big, huge collector's item that people, comic book aficionados especially, that they needed to have. It, it started out as a parody of Daredevil, right? Yes, exactly. So, you know, like in uh, Daredevil, uh, Daredevil's um, teacher is called Stick. So they they parodied that by having Master Splinter, Stick mm-hmm. Splinter. Mm-hmm. Daredevil dealt with the hand. You know, so the Ninja Turtles had the foot. It, it, it was very, it was very tongue in cheek. It, w- it wasn't meant to be anything serious, but you wouldn't know that if you read the first initial comics. It was this weird type of almost kind of like a Arthur Crumb type of feeling, where it was something. Really? Yeah, it was something. That weird? It, yeah, it was something that was just kind of. It was weird and funny, but at the same time, there was just like this very unsettling aspect to it you know okay it, it was it was very dark you know it was very violent too and and this is good because part of the reason we started with teenage mutant ninja turtles is because while jose is newer to video games i'm newer to tmnt mm-hmm. we were just talking as we were playing the game earlier i the most that i'd really seen of tmnt was the movie they came out i think called tmnt it was like 2000 oh the cgi one right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. early yeah. 2000 something right, like that right. Um, but I didn't really grow up with it. I don't know a ton about it, so I will have some questions. And Jose yeah. does know much more than me about TMNT and yeah. Ash, you do yeah. too. So I will have some questions within the game um, about things that, are they game exclusive? Are they also in the comics? Mm. But but you're also a fan of TMNT too, yeah. right? No, I, I grew up with them. But cartoons and cool. movies, that's the, yeah. that was my shit. Yeah, and then and then like the comic book was like its own separate thing. It was pretty much very much like I would say underground for yeah. the time. But then, you know, a couple of years go by. I think they launched in 84 and then I think 87, 88 was when the cartoon series came out. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a big huge hit. Like the animation was great, the theme song, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everybody knows that song. It just became completely commercialized. It became very um you had action figures, and then you had the 1990 live-action movie that still holds up after all these years. Probably one of the greatest comic book adaptations yep. ever. We went like, back and watched yeah. it pretty recently. Yeah, yeah. Man, both fun, the first and the second. That's a yeah. fun and movie. Then, and then, and then the, uh, the creature effects, the Jim Henson yeah. you know, creature mm-hmm. effects. Yeah. Man, like there was nothing like that. Like I remember I was five years old when I saw that movie. and No, I think six years old when I saw that movie in the theater. And... Man, it was. Uh, I thought those turtles were real, you know. Like the design. this was this was this was before CGI. This yeah. was before anything like that. Everything had to be practical, mm. you know. So when you see these turtles jumping around, when you see their mouths yeah. moving, their eyes blinking, you think it's real, you mm. know. So well, yeah. and, and that ties into just how fun of a design from from the comics the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are, because one of the biggest takeaways I had from this game is 
the sprites of the four turtles as you're playing with them, yeah. they're so nice to look at. Like, yeah. The colors in this game are so vibrant. And I think a lot of that is just from the original design of the turtles. Yeah. They're so fun to look at, from the movie <laughs> yeah. to everything. Yeah, well, I, I think I think um, the design of the turtles in this game, I think a lot of it has to go to the cartoon series. I think the cartoon series mm-hmm. is really what made them very... Very, very approachable. If you look at the original Mirage comics, they're they're very sinister looking, yeah. and you can't tell them apart because yeah. like they all wore red, red bandanas. bandanas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the you know the the, the cartoon gave them those big bright eyes, mm-hmm. and you know they like pizza and all that kind of stuff. All the sayings, cowbunga dude, all that kind of stuff. You know, so yeah, so you had the comic in '84. You had the 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 cartoon series, which was a huge hit in the late '80s, '88. You had the movie in 1990, and then you had the sequel a year later with Vanilla Rice, mm. Vanilla Rice, Vanilla Ice, and Ninja. <laughs> I want to see the that. Weird Al Vanilla yeah. Rice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and, so. and by the time we get to the game, how did you come to? Uh, were you playing previous games? How did you come to this game in particular? So. So Nintendo, everybody that I knew had a Nintendo, mm-hmm. uh, just the regular Nintendo entertainment system. I never really cared for Nintendo because, like, growing up, when you're growing up in the like the late '80s, you know, like your heroes are like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jean Claude Van Damme, Stallone, Ninja Turtle, very action oriented, right. you know. And um, I never got into Disney movies or anything like that. I never got into Nintendo. I, I wanted to kick some ass. That's pretty much what I wanted to do. I wanted to fight, and you know, like Nintendo, like controversial opinion but i think mario was like really boring like the guy is a plumber just jumping around stomping on mushrooms like it gets it gets boring after a while and i, I didn't way, care you, for it you never see him plumb <laughs> exactly <laughs> kind of a bad boy exactly. sorry sorry yeah. <laughs> the next <laughs> game is just should... a plumbing simulator <laughs> dude that would be amazing can you imagine is that, that? also what it's called to plumb <laughs> to i need plumb? i need to go plumb no i think plumbing right plunge no, plunge is anyway, like an actual. Yeah, that's for <laughs> but, but I, I never, I never got into Nintendo. Like it was fun to have. Like I remember my friend had the he had Duck Hunt with the gun and mm-hmm. all that. But it got very boring very fast. You know, there was really nothing there that really drew me into it until the Ninja Turtles game came out on Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I remember that played just like the arcade game, and it was a side scroller, and all you're doing is just kicking ass. You know, people are coming left and right, left and right, and then there's always something to do. And I, I felt that that game did it did very well at bringing the personalities of the turtle, certain fighting styles, moves, and all yeah. that. Every single character is like yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, it, it's like their own unique thing. And I think especially back then in the early days of like home consoles, like that that was to me. I felt that that was kind of like some something major. You know, Mario was just jumping. That's it. You play as Luigi, same thing. You know, but the Ninja Turtles, man. They had all these special moves. Mm-hmm. Leonardo had his katanas. Mike had his ninchucks and all that. The weapons feel different. Yeah, it feels wonder. different. And and for some reason, I remember when I was playing that game, like in the arcade, like I I felt I felt like I was getting hit when I got hit. You know, there's mm-hmm. just something about the moves and all that. You know, I feel that. Um, and maybe it also had to do with the fact that I was like probably six or five years old at the time. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah. If anything, I wanted a Nintendo system solely for that reason so that i could have ninja turtles right but um i didn't really care for anything else on nintendo so i'm like what's the use for just one game and then so the ninja turtles phenomenon continued until like uh i think 93 when the last movie came out but in that time sega genesis came out it was like the 16-bit cartridge whatever that meant i didn't i didn't know but they just had such a great marketing campaign you know sega everybody remembers that that's that's literally what it was it had attitude it looked cool the console is probably one of the most beautiful consoles i've ever seen still like it's 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 sleek it's black it it has a sega genesis shield on there and all that it was just it was it was cool you know tmnt was one of those games you you were drawn to with the nintendo but with sega doing everything that it was doing and if you can get essentially the same game on sega why not go sega yeah i mean like i just felt sega was cooler i felt it had like a better catalog of games um it was very action oriented um and i've I've heard that even though you know it is controversial to say nintendo it being the the behemoth that it is saying that it is you know more boring but i do hear a lot of obviously a lot of pro sega people but that it's kind of like the vhs betamax where the Mm, the better technology doesn't always win out i hear people say that sega really was the better system that it did have more power and it maybe didn't have the popularity behind it, but mm. that it, you know, I, I think it has stood the test of time. 
Okay, awesome. Well, yeah. let's talk a little bit about the game's release, and then we'll get into that 16-bit war yeah. a little bit more. So, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Hyperstone Heist was released in 1992 on the Sega Genesis. Uh, it was called the Sega Genesis in the United States. It was called the Mega Drive everywhere else. This game was released in Europe as Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist, and in Japan, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Return of Shredder. This is a beat-em-up, a 2D side-scroller. One thing we're going to do on this podcast is track not just which games uh, are working for Jose, but which genres and formats are working. So, real quickly, Jose, this is a beat-em-up game, and this and Turtles in Time are called one of the best beat-em-ups of all time, mm-hmm. and just being, you know, your... It's not really like a hack and slash, like a God of War or something where you're going through and mowing down enemies while more, I guess that would be the big difference would be in a 3D setting. Yeah. But beat em up just being a bunch of enemies are flooding onto the mm. screen and you're mowing them down. How did that feel? I honestly really enjoyed this game and that aspect of it. I didn't, I didn't think I was, I was like, like this is an older game. It's just going to be one enemy after the other. But I, I enjoyed the pace more than I do with newer games that i played before uh and also the, the controller it's so simple it's so to the point where you're just like okay i, I gotta hang up with this i don't need yeah. to like click 30 different buttons to do different things it's just like <laughs> one punch one like the, with a sword with, the, with something right. so it's pretty much you're hitting and you're jumping yeah and you're yeah moving. <laughs> which <laughs> I, I was taking notes before and i told you i'm gonna say this for the podcast that okay. like brings it right into it i feel like with a game with games like like this i feel like i would have to have a lot of like discipline myself and i brought that up a conversation earlier because there it's so like easy to just like sit there and like play and want to beat the level that you're just like no I, if i were to get into this i feel like i'd go like hardcore yeah <laughs> so, it's addicting yeah it's addicting, yeah. It's addicting yeah. so i was like yeah it's 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 probably like and that's what I told you before, like, to beat the game, I feel like, me personally, I would have to pause it and then come back to it the next day or a couple of days later and then, right. like, keep doing that. And that comes to one thing we wanted to ask you, Ash. Yeah. Would you be able to save your state on whatever level you were in, put it down, and then come back? No, no. See? No. Oh, no, shit. no. So, uh, <laughs> oh, so shit. this, this okay. was before USB drives. This was before mm-hmm. internet, even. You know, so there was no such thing as save. Like, this game, honestly, if, if, if you're really good at it, you can beat it in, like, an hour. That's that's pretty much how it is. Right. I think it's like five stages. I, I forgot exactly. The closest I got was to Krang. I never even got to Shredder. Oh, I think the Shredder is the next right one. After. Next, right after, yeah. These games weren't, weren't meant to be like going on for like several hours or several days. Like it was meant to be. If you're really good at it, you can you can pass it in like an hour less. Than what that. threw me off the most was, and you had mentioned this before, but I don't know why I didn't really like. I didn't realize like that the game would actually restart at the fifth time you, that you died. Oh yeah, I, I, that, that threw me off. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, why would they do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you have a set, you have a set amount yeah. of lives. You can, yeah. and, and that's it. You know, that's crazy. And that's it's, it. It's that a big crazy. holdover from from the arcade days, which which yeah. we'll get into. Uh, so beat 'em up 2D side scroller working well at least mm. so far. Good to know. Uh, in terms of a series, this is from the TMNT Konami games. They made a lot of different... They're, I think, the biggest publisher of Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtle games. They recently had the Kawabunga collection come out on Nintendo Switch, yeah. where you can play Hyperstone Heist and, I think, 12 or 13 other of their best games. I think they made about 23, but some of those are arcade cabinets and on different consoles. So, this game is considered a clone of Turtles in Time, and that game is pretty much a clone of their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade cabinet. So Konami released the arcade cabinet. It was a massive hit, huge for them. And then they pretty much replicated their success into the home market, which was just starting at the time. And for some context, these are five other video games that came out in the same year. The very first Super Mario Kart came out in 1992. The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Streets of Rage 2, and Contra 3 The Alien Wars. So some pretty iconic games coming out around that same time. This was Konami's debut title for the Genesis, and this was the beginning of this, or not the beginning, but this was right at the height of the 16-bit war, which Ash touched on a little bit. So, Jose, do you know anything about the, besides what Ash mentioned, the 16-bit war, the Sega versus, okay. I'm guessing it's kind of like PS4 and Xbox, or the PlayStation and Xbox. It is. I feel like it was even more, I feel like the console wars back then were even more ingrained. Yeah, I mean, 
all, all you had back then was like it, it was pretty much just Nintendo that's all you had and that was like 8-bit and you know the graphics were very basic rudimentary but it was very advanced for a home gaming system that was still relatively new people weren't used to that you know like I think now we're just spoiled you know like we can play online we can play on our phones we can play everywhere mm-hmm. as long as you have some type of device a TV a phone a gaming system you name it um, but but back then like when Sega came out with 16-bit just the graphics were just so beautiful to look at it was very colorful everything just popped the sound was different um it was pretty much like the difference between like probably like 720 to like 1080p tv you know i remember that like you like you have your standard yeah you have your standard definition and then you have that high definition you know well and besides just power a big part of it was there well let me read this real quick and then we'll and then we'll get into it so this game came out in 1992 and this game didn't have as big of a impact on what I'm about to read, but it was around this time. In 1993, a year after this game was released, the first of two congressional hearings on video games took place. Topics for discussion include the depiction of violence and sexual content in video games, their influence on children, and the prospect of governmental regulation of video game content, mainly because of Mortal Kombat, Doom, and Night Trap. As a result, the ESRB was established in 1994. So you've seen the ratings on video games nowadays. If it's like M for Mature, E for yeah. Everyone, T for Teen. Yeah. That's invented right around this time. Okay. And a big, the government was worried that, and we're still talking about it today, if when someone you know does something horrible, like commit a mass shooting or something, mm-hmm. there's a, a group of people who will blame it on video games. Yeah. And there are some people who have blamed terrible things that they've done on video games. I think Grand Theft Auto is one that a guy shot like a cop or something and then said, life is a video game or something like that. Damn. And people will take those single cases and generalize it to, you know, all yeah. video games and stuff. And th- there is a lot to be looked into into young kids playing violent video games, of course. But around this time, it was the talk of the video game industry. And so Nintendo played into it. Nintendo removed a lot of the... Mortal Kombat was a huge one. Mm-hmm. You've seen people play Mortal Kombat, ripping off heads, yeah. ripping out spines and stuff. It was still the same kind of vibe in the earlier games, just with worse graphics. But still, they were cutting-edge graphics at the time, so people were horrified by yeah. 8-bit spines being ripped out <laughs> of bodies. And so Nintendo's fix for Mortal Kombat in particular was... They turned the blood green, I think. And so it was like, oh, it's not blood, it's slime that these alien people are using. Oh, wow. But Sega was like, fuck that. Now we have an edge. So they leave the blood in mm-hmm. because they weren't doing as well as Nintendo. And suddenly they get a big boost in sales because oh, now they're the edgier one. Yeah. They'll leave in the more graphic stuff. And that's what Ash was saying about kicking ass. Sega, and that was their slogan that they had. Sega does what Nintendo don't. And so they were the, you know, video games Damn. for grown-ups. They were the edgier video game. I think it was more for, like, teenagers, especially, like, the, the way they marketed it. Like, I, I would say, like, the perfect analogy would be the difference between WWF in the 80s and then the whole Attitude Era. You know, Degeneration X, mm. Suck It, Steve Austin, all that. Those are, it's the same company, but, like, two vastly different things. WWF in the 80s was, like, all these larger-than-life characters, but it was very wholesome. It was very family-oriented. And then, you know couple years later like a decade later you get into this real attitude era and and that that to me is what, what just kind of as, as a little kid as like a six seven year old you just want stuff that's cool and and sega genesis the system looked cool the games they promoted look cool sonic was fucking cool yeah sonic was cool um and even the games they gave like i think nintendo offered like their system I think a Super Nintendo system, and the free game that came with it, I think, was like Super Mario Brothers 2 or something like that. Uh, but Sega Genesis, they gave Streets of Rage 2 as the mm-hmm. game, the game free. If anything, like that was the thing that made me decide to get that because, like I, like I, like I mentioned previously, like I love you know side scroller beat 'em ups. Um, Streets of Rage 2 reminded me very much the same gameplay as Ninja Turtles. It was action, action, action. You know, it was like you're 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 constantly. Things are getting thrown at you left and right, and you're constantly doing something. Um, For me, even though I was past the Nintendo Sega age, I had the Wii, and I loved the Wii, playing mm-hmm. Wii Sports and and Mario Galaxy, but I was drawn to Modern Warfare 2 for, I think, that same reason, where when you're a kid, it's just you want a little bit of edge, you want yeah, the, yeah. blood spattered on the screen. And, uh, <laughs> okay, so that is the context of where we're at. We are in the height of the 16-bit wars. 
We are focusing on Hyperstone Heist, not Turtles in Time. So, Nintendo heads, you can turn off the podcast now. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and throw it to a break. And then when we come back, we're going to take a deeper dive into the gameplay, the mechanics, and what Jose thought. We'll be right back on the New Player Podcast. And we're back. The New Player Podcast. Talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist. So it seems like we've gotten some pretty good impressions so far. Before we dive deeper into what Jose fully thought of the mechanics, the the story, what kind of story <laughs> that there is, let's talk about the overview. So each game we're going to talk about the main character and what the goal of the game is. So the main character of this, it's on the title, and their goal is to... So I liked the... I watched the ending, and I liked the beginning and ending because... I also watched for Turtles in Time, uh-huh. and for this game, April O'Neil is delivering some broadcast about <laughs> being in Liberty City. She's yeah. just kind of there, and then Manhattan shrinks. Yes, and then you see Shredder's <laughs> hand placing the Statue of Liberty on Manhattan, so I guess he can remove it from the ground, even though it's only shrunken. Yeah, in the sewers, I think, <laughs> and then he says like, "Haha, Turtles, if you want to." regrow the city no he says i have the hyperstone from dimension x yeah yeah and then i guess that's it like you don't even want to know then, the full power yeah and then he's like i'm gonna take over the world and yeah the the writing is very um cringe in this and well it and, fits. and and, and, and it like, fits. yeah i mean i, I mean I, I think for for a beat-em-up game you don't need much of a story you know yeah. like the bad guy has this thing go find him and beat him up if there was a 10-minute prologue, yeah. I'd be like, come on. I mean, I mean, if they were to make this game nowadays, it would have the most convoluted script and story. <laughs> and, oh, my God, like, just leading up to, to that would be insane. But And, not, and like, all honesty, though, it doesn't even need that. Like, yeah, the game could literally just be there, and it doesn't need that. And that yeah. It, you know? But, you could just yeah. be like, stop Shredder before he, you know, wreaks yeah. havoc on the city. Okay, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, th- I think Will <laughs> explained it perfectly. Like, that's literally the story. April O'Neil is... On Liberty Island, and then all of a sudden the Statue of Liberty shrinks, and then Shredder's. And then you says, have to defeat 500 enemies. Yeah, and then, and then Shredder's <laughs> like, I got this stone from Dimension X, I'm gonna take over the world. And the Ninja Turtles are watching this live on TV, they're like, we have to stop him. Don't think about it, just just, <laughs> just, just play, play the, the game. game. Yeah, You're six years old, just play the game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what's the goal? After Shredder shrinks Manhattan with the mysterious Hyperstone from Dimension X, the Turtles must stop him before he unleashes its full power. So, the game is split into five stages. Each each stage has, I think, three parts. Some might have four yeah. or five parts. But you go through an area, you defeat the enemies, and then you go to a different area of that same stage until you clear the stage. You go through the city and then Shredder a ship, I think, and then Shredder's hideout and then the gauntlet, which I found very hard, actually, yeah. where you fight all the bosses you fought before and then you get to Shredder himself and you fight Krang and then Shredder and then the game ends. And I got as far as Krang. I watched the post-credits, or not the post-credits, but I watched the ending of the game. Yeah. And I saw Shredder. Shredder looks sick, by the way. He looks yeah. really cool. That, the design they used for Shredder uh, was the same design that they used in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah. It was a super Shredder. Mm-hmm. And then they also incorporated another character from the movie, Tatsu, who was Shredder's um, right-hand man. He was uh, hard, especially during the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it was kind of like that weird, like kind of like... Uh, Shared universe, which is like the big thing now. You have like Ninja Turtle property, you know. Like, I don't think um, about that. So he was not in the franchise at all. No, he was. He wasn't two. in the cartoon or anything wow. like that. He was. He was just made for for the movie. That would be so cool to see as a kid. Oh you yeah, feel like you discovered something. Yeah, and... exactly. Like that's. What I'm like, oh, he's from the movie, and then oh, there's Leatherhead from the cartoon, and then oh, there's you know this person, that person, and it, it was weird. It was like this weird amalgamation of all the popular elements of all forms of Ninja Turtle media at the time. And in the in Turtles in Time, so Turtles in Time came out the year before and I was watching that story mm-hmm. and it is the exact same opening. Yeah. April O'Neil is reporting live from Liberty Island, but then Krang comes mm. and Krang steals the Statue of Liberty, flies away, and then it's the same setup of the turtles are watching the TV and they're like, we gotta stop this. And then they <laughs> defeat 500 enemies. And then they get the Statue of Liberty back. But it's a lot of the same sets or uh, stages. It's a lot of the same animation. There's a surfing scene or like they're on like a jet skateboard in this game. Yeah. And I think it's the exact same thing, but they're in the sewers and Turtles mm-hmm. in Time. I mean, it was a formula that worked, so Konami didn't really have to change anything. But in terms of, Jose, the, the stories of 
the movies that you grew up with and Turtles, did you f- you mentioned the personality you felt like they captured pretty well. Yeah. Did you feel like the story was what it needed to be? Any shortcomings? There wasn't much of it, but how did you feel about it? I mean, to me, this didn't really have to have a story because I'm so familiar with the franchise that to me, it's just like, oh, it's just a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-themed video game. So to me, I didn't really care about the story here because I already know all that from the movies and the, and the cartoons. If this was just a... Let's say it was, instead of April O'Neil, it was uh, Sally Jenkins, mm-hmm. and she was reporting live from Manhattan, and then there was an earthquake, and then four random commandos had to go save the day. Do you think you would have cared as much? Or was it, being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, did that draw you in, do you think, any more than you would have been drawn in? Yes, it is really? definitely because I like the turtles more. I don't think... I honestly don't think I would have been interested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so instead of pizza giving them health, it was like a first aid kit yeah, yeah, for yeah. these guys. <laughs> I mean, it would, it would have been cool, but I don't think I would have, like, want to play the game because of it. You know, I wanted to play this game because, like, okay, it's the Turtles. You know, I'm familiar with it. So. Yeah. And right. it is something about the that opening sequence where they fly in and the lightning is striking and it's mm. just those... I know I mentioned it before, but those really vibrant colors with yeah. the green and everything. Oh, yeah. It Whenever they're just... Leo is slashing his sword and Donatello is using his staff and everything. The sprites look so good. Yeah. The background animation looks solid and a lot of the enemies look okay, but mainly the turtles. Just watching them move is such a pleasure. It, it is. looks great. It really is. Did a lot of the other Sega games look this good? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that sets this game apart is that, you know, that, that era of video game was very, very simple. You know, the movements weren't as fluid you know it was very very robotic you know like when it came to like the main characters on screen and when it came to the turtles like their movements were very fluid to me i felt like i was kind of watching the cartoon you know i you know they're they're, like to me i just felt like it was like very very advanced for a video game each one literally feels different yeah when i was playing it it's the same three buttons but every turtle feels different. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. like I keep bringing up Mario, but Mario mm-hmm. just like kind of like trotting side yeah. to side, up and down. That's it. And when you switch to Luigi, all you get I think is a bigger jump. I think that's the one difference. Yeah, and then like with these turtles, man, they're they're like you know flexing left and right and, yeah. and jumping up and down, the weapons spinning around. Make a difference. Yeah, the yeah. way they use the weapons, the way they 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 implement. You know, Did you have a preference of a turtle? Because we we settled on the best turtle. I I had a preference for Leonardo mainly because he had two swords. Leonardo, yeah, yeah, he's a close second for me. I thought yeah. Donatello for the range that yep. his staff had. That, that would, yeah, that would that would probably be my second one. Yeah. Going back to the the saves, it really does more than any modern game that I play. I don't want to die in this game more yeah. than any other yeah. game. Because yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> I was freaking out. Yeah, and I think I think that's a, a really good asset that those old games have is that nowadays you can save and continue on another day. You know, um, you don't have to play it to completion. With this mm. one, there was like an urgency. Like, yeah. you had to do it, you know. And, you know, if, if you couldn't pass it or do that or or, or, or or get to the final round at least, like, it would be a waste of time. Yeah. And it would be such a frustrating feeling. Like, you go through, if it's a five-stage game and then you die literally, like, on the fifth stage, like, it's kind of demoralizing as a kid. You're like, come on, I was almost there. And it's demoralizing just, as a yeah. 25-year-old. And then, and, then you're, <laughs> exactly. and, then, and then you just didn't have the energy to, like, start it again, you know? Then a day or two goes by, then you're like, let me let me try it again, you know? Like, video games these days, I feel, are very addicting because there's, there's so many ways to play them and so many different options and so realistic and all that kind of stuff. But, like, back then, I think, like, that, that very tedious nature of it just kind of prevented me, at least, from, from uh, playing video games all the time. Yeah, I, and so that definitely helps with the addiction aspect because I feel like when people talk about video game addiction, one of the first big games to be part of that conversation was like World of Warcraft, mm. where you can you can never leave if yeah. you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And and it does. So I wanted to talk about the similarities with arcade games and mm-hmm. how these early '90s and just early video games in general how they they took the arcade game and just put it in your home. Yeah. And we've gotten away from what that used to be, Mm. and now the home console is its own ecosystem. It's its own, and PC gaming as well. Were you a big arcade gamer, or...? Oh, yeah. Uh, There there was a... So, uh, the West Covina Plaza, I I, I think it was just called the Westfield Plaza back then. I forgot the actual name of it, but um, there was a arcade there called Time Out. And I think Time Out is still there. 
I would play skee-ball, and I would always play Ninja Turtles. I would play Ninja Turtles, I would play X-Men. And, and the cool thing about that arcade cabinet, about especially with Ninja Turtles, was you, you could have four of your friends and you all play at the same time. So you have the whole oh, team playing there. Oh, you know? that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so the, and that was like revolutionary. You're like, oh, more than two players, you know? Yeah. Like, but that's only in, an, in, in with the arcade cabinet. Yeah. You know, with, with, with the home systems, um, it was only two players at the time, you mm-hmm. know, with Sega, with, with Nintendo. But I would say Hyperstone Heist did a very good job of translating the feeling of, of the arcade experience into the home environment. I see that in a lot of... We'll, we'll talk about the reviews um, in our third section, but a lot of people talk about that. They bring the arcade into your home. And yeah. just that idea of now video games are something that people are trying to put out into the world. Something like Pokemon Go and yeah. things like VR sending you away from your home. But we're, we're in an era here in these early 90s where that idea of it being in your home is still such a new idea. Yeah, and, and it, it was funny. It was just, you know, this was this was before internet, before online gaming and all that kind of stuff. So so you and three other friends had to go there and, and, and you know, you guys all worked together as a team and, you know, it, it was a fun experience. Like, like I remember, like, just, just standing there. Like, like I'm sure we've all seen Stranger Things and, and, you know, that arcade scene where they're like, oh, get this, get that, blah, blah, blah. Like, that was real. Like, that was like, you had to work together as a team in real That's life. Awesome. Like, like I'm like, I'll take this corner, you take that corner. Watch out behind you, I got you. Like, it was, it, it was, it was revolutionary. It was, it was, uh, it was such a cool experience. Like, I, I, I can't really do justice just by talking about it. It's something that I think you really had to experience you had to feel you know i'm envisioning it it's just like it, 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 it that like, yeah seems awesome i can't imagine actually like living it dealing with all of those enemies did it feel overwhelming did it feel like you always had the situation under control in the end what did that feel like at, at one point i'm like when is this gonna stop yeah. <laughs> like there's <laughs> just so many and it doesn't it's yeah. just more and more like god damn i'm getting tired of this you know but it's uh it's cool that they give even the the uh, the enemies like their own kind of like I mean they do it by color but like their own like personalities and what they can do and and like the weapons they use and stuff I feel like that's even like going back to the turtles being like that making their enemies like that was like really a great idea for them because the one I think knock I would give this game mm-hmm. and it's probably coming from modern gaming and less the arcade style games mm-hmm. is the repetition yeah. and is mm-hmm. the after that first stage you clear, you're on the board, and mm-hmm. that gives you a little bit of a variety. You're jumping over obstacles in the sea. You're doing a little bit. That one still tripped me up. <laughs> yeah. And then it's hard, too. Yeah. But then you get back on the land, and it is kind of back mm-hmm. to the same thing. I think the bosses are a nice switch up, but did you did you like that uh, familiarity that the game kept giving you, or did it start to feel stale by the end of your playing? I feel like this is the kind of game where it's just like you know where you're going into, but it's still like... It's the same, but like I'm making those differently. Like <laughs> same, same, but different. Yeah, but th- those options that they give you and those like little like things that throw you off, it's what makes you want to keep playing. At least for me, I see. There was something weirdly addictive about this game. Yeah, I, I turned it on a couple yeah. different days, and each day, by the time I stood up, I never got to Shredder. Mm-hmm. And I, just, I think it is that shortness of the game. Yeah, it's the simplicity. There's mm-hmm. not more to for other bigger games. It's more like it can feel exhaustive in a different way mm-hmm. of there's so much to discover. It's like Mad Max, you know, like this is the mission, go. Yeah. The end. What more it. do you need to know? Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... And you're like defeating a bunch of like little like soldiers and then the, at the end you get the payoff and you're just like, this is like harder than defeating all those. Yeah, all those <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, so I'd say for me, it, there was a little feeling of frustration with the amount of enemies, but it never mm-hmm. felt out of hand. And then exhaustion with the repetitiveness, but it never felt far enough away that I didn't want to keep coming back. Yeah. I, I think basically what I'm trying to say is I think this is the perfect arcade game. Yeah. I see why they had such a big hit in the arcades. Yeah. Because I would put so many quarters into this game. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. what we were talking about the lot about oh, the lives earlier. Oh, I didn't earlier, think about that. Exactly. Okay. So you have five lives, and if you run out of your lives, then you go back to the beginning of whatever section you're at. And then if you reset to the beginning of the section three or five times, depending on what your settings are, then you go back to the very beginning of the game. And as far as I would imagine, that is 
you would uh, need to put in another quarter to keep mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. And then once you're out of quarters, then you have to go home. Oh, wow. But in terms okay. of a money-generating thing, yeah. that's that's brilliant. And especially if you're playing with, like, your friends, you don't want to be that one person that, you know, doesn't want to go on with them. No, yeah. it's like, like you, you come stacked with quarters or you find the security guard that had that little, you know, quarter machine. Right. You give them a dollar and ching, 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 ching. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a game that... that really builds a lot of kinship and just kind of you don't want to be that odd man out you know you don't no. want to be like i'm tired or i'm done no like like you're playing with three of your friends and you're like i gotta help them out you know i need some quarters you know <laughs> see a game like this like i would because i know like whenever we hang out and stuff and some of you guys put um uh smash bros on and i'm kind of like no i don't like i'm not, not really like and <laughs> i just like what's on like, my phone <laughs> i, <laughs> I kind of just like watch you guys play it and i'm on my uh, like in my zone like this something like this game like I would like actually do like participate, and I and I can see from from the stories that you're telling me, I, yeah. I can I can definitely imagine like yeah, this this would be a game that I would definitely like to play in a in a group setting, and I would actually have fun <laughs> doing it, you know. Ooh, Ash just pulled up the original arcade cabinet with some crazy looking turtles, <laughs> and it's on, on the sale. Artwork. It's on sale at Best Buy for only four hundred and fifty bucks. Why does it say Nickelodeon? <laughs> right. Oh, because I think Nickelodeon, they own the rights to Ninja Turtles now. They, they bought the licensing rights. Oh, so it's in conjunction. This is like a re-release yeah. of the original cabinet. That's beautiful. Anybody yeah. uh, at home, look up the original arcade cabinet. That's some really cool artwork. Yeah. All right, so that was our uh, a little bit deeper dive into Turtles. This uh, I think the consensus is this is a very good arcade game. In terms of modern gaming, may not be one that, you know, uh, if we're looking for in a moving story that we might turn on unless you're really maybe you live in manhattan and your greatest fear is being shrunken down or sewers but in terms of just a getting children to put quarters in slots mm-hmm. this is a great game so we're going to throw it to another break and we will be right back on the new player podcast and we're back so in this third section, we're going to talk a little bit about the reception that this game had. It was a little hard to find specifically reviews of this game and not just comparisons to Turtles in Time. I feel like that's something Sega people probably had to put up a lot with, is just <laughs> the comparisons and not really taking it in its own right. The Internet Archive, if anybody's familiar with that, they do a really good job of preserving not just old websites, but old magazines. So it's actually kind of fun going back and reading through some of the old OG magazines where they would have screenshots, which was something that was just starting to happen in game review magazines around 1992 when this game came out. So the consensus of all these reviews was that this was a good game, if familiar from what Konami had put out before. So a notable review from Game Fan Magazine in 1992. These two guys, Skid and Brody, would review games side by side. And this is what Skid had to say. (laughs) And there's a lot of slang in here. Turtles on the Genesis is a beat-em-up blasted minute with scorching turtle tunes, hordes of kooks to bash, and some of the best character animation you'll ever see. Forget about pumping in those silver slugs. Konami brings the arcade thrill home. I want more. 95%. That's That's classic skit, I have to say. Silver slugs, i got to remember that. (laughs) And when he says hordes of kooks to bash, it's... Apostrophe T A. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say Cowabunga. <laughs> yeah, Cowabunga, Cowabunga dude. dude. A lot of these reviews are very like on theme. Of, yeah, this yeah, is a turtles yeah, yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> and continuing with Brody, it was only a matter of time till those green good guys made their way to Sega, and even the most die-hard turtle freaks will be completely satisfied when they play TMNT Hyperstone Heist, with graphics and music rivaling the SNES version plus totally new levels and some of the most hilarious two-player beat-em-up action ever seen will make this game a classic for (laughs) years to come. Brody also gave it a 95%, so the game fan review is 95%. This game overall was pretty mixed, but first we're going to get into the praise, and then we'll talk about some of the criticisms that it got. So in terms of praise, animation, the vivid colors, and the controls were three of the main things that people pointed out. The music, some people loved, other people hated. I was one than the other. <laughs> I liked the music uh, during the first 10 minutes, and then when I heard the same song for the 100th time, 
I liked it less. <laughs> it's no, one of no, those no, things no, where no. you can just like you can listen to it for a little bit, but then you immediately want to play some like music in the background, like I said, like mentioned. Yeah. yeah, I haven't listened to the music on its own, front to back, but from what I could tell, it felt pretty similar track to track. I don't know how many tracks they had on these games. Yeah, just thinking back, like I, I, it's it's that same riff you hear in every single level. Like you hear like a little bit of the Ninja Turtles cartoon theme song here and there, maybe like pretty much like in the beginning when the game's starting and at the end. But throughout the game, like all I hear and I hear it right now is Yes, that sound was literally playing in my mind. That's literally it. Yeah, and while we're on music, another thing that some people praised about Turtles in Time that they thought was lost a little bit on this version of this arcade kind of port almost was the the character voices. So we're gonna play to pretty much the only two times the turtles ever talk, which is when they beat a level and when they die. So when they beat a level, this is what they say. Kind of sounds like a demon or <laughs> a gremlin. It does sound like a gremlin. <laughs> and it's that, you know, early kind of electronically generated voice. Yeah. So it's kind of par for the course, but this is when they die. Yeah. <laughs> so in case you couldn't understand yeah. it, it's he's saying shell shocked, and I was a little confused because when they die, they say shell shocked. Yeah. But when they get to the final level, it's called the final shell shock. Is that their death rattle? Like, what is a shell shock? Did they say that in the comics? Well, I mean, I I, I think they said that a lot in the in the cartoon series, but but it was just more or less like a like a term that basically means like. Damn, I got the wind knocked out of me. That's that's pretty much what it means. Okay. It's like shit. I'm shell shocked. What was that? You know, like that. You know? <laughs> and another good uh, quality about this game that Joypad magazine shouted out was its animation. They said no lag or flickering, even in two-player mode at full speed and with tons of sprites on screen, and the scrolling is smooth and fast. With the amount of information going on, on the screen, this must I didn't really know. You know, at what point this game is entering the scene, but if 8-bit machines could handle, you know, do you know 8-bit and 16-bit? So basically, um, like Ash was touching on, the Nintendo Entertainment System and the, what was the Sega equivalent? The 8-bit? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't believe they... I can't think of one. I, I think, can't think of one. And it was basically just the amount of information that you could have on screen at one time. And so, Is that why they were so pixelated? Or? Right, so... Okay. When you get to, you know, like OG Mario that mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen, that being on 8-bit systems, it's even more blocky than it mm-hmm. is here. And then now, with 16-bit, people talk about it in terms of colors, but with these machines, it's usually just in terms of processing yeah. power. So I think it's squared. I think it's 16 squared, which is what, like 256? So you can have, it's like binary, so you can have 256 different, like, units of... Uh, information on screen at okay. once so 8-bit squared 64 I guess bits mm-hmm. and then with 16-bit you can have you know it becomes compounded so that jump I think people are still reeling from with just how much information that you can have on screen and that's what a lot of people are pointing out with the scrolling being smooth and fast not having a yeah. lot of lag or flickering and it's interesting that we're still talking about lag 30 years later, but in a completely different context with it being internet speed. Yeah. But it's something that has always plagued gamers. And then handling is another thing that uh, Joypad calls out. Unheard of. It's better than Streets of Rage, which seems like a big claim. Would you mm. agree as a Streets of Rage fan? By a hair. Mm. I, I played Streets of Rage from beginning to completion, like, I don't know how many times. Um, is it about the same length as this game? Uh, well, I mean, this one, uh, Streets of Rage has eight stages. And um, multiple like stages within that. So, um, but it's it's pretty much the same exact thing where you have enemies coming left and right, uh, and then you have the final boss and you go on to the next stage, all that kind of stuff. I would say I would say Streets of Rage, there to me like there was somewhat of a little bit of a lag, but it was it was so small that it wasn't noticeable. But yeah, definitely like when playing when playing any Ninja Turtles game, honestly, not not just this one, but um, anyone, the arcade game or the ones on Nintendo, the control is something that I really like. You know, I like um, the controls on this a lot too. Yeah, when you want to slash someone with a sword, like it, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, and with the amount that the AI decides to go behind you as much as in front of you, the mm. enemies do a good job of splitting up. Yeah, and half being in front, yeah. half in back. 
the speed that you can get one group and get the other felt that's great. what i noticed too yeah. that you can actually you have to pace out between beating one up and then not letting the one behind you get like beat you up so you have to turn around while the other one's kind of hurt and then beat that one up and then yeah. come back to the mm-hmm. other one is yeah. this happening to me am i getting to video games <laughs> no, no. <laughs> after i said that i was like wait what, what did i just say <laughs> <Which is, laughs> the curtains burst open I'm like, you're into video games now <laughs> no it's too soon wait until later episodes <laughs> Uh, and then, and so basically, I want to shout out uh, this game. A lot of the reviews that I saw were just comparing it to Turtles in Time, and there was the middle of the console war. A lot of people were, I think, being uh, you know harshly unfair to this game. So Turtles in Time is often called one of the greatest beat 'em ups of all time. I think this game deserves a lot of that praise too, because it is basically the same game. So really great beat 'em up. Uh, let's get into some of the criticisms, the sound, the story, and. At the time, people thought these enemies were really easy to kill. Coming from very different games, I found these enemies really hard to kill, but a lot of people found it too easy. And then let's get a little bit deeper into this being a clone of Turtles in Time. So Player One Start is a online publication where this guy, Matt Antonich, he goes back and he reviews games. And he is a diehard Sega fan, which we should mention from the top. And this was his review of Hyperstone Heist. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist, isn't a bad game on its own, but it feels like a cheap, watered-down port of a superior game just to cash in on Genesis players. With prices for a complete copy of the game climbing, I can't honestly say it's even worth the asking price unless you're the most diehard of Turtle fans who bleeds green. When it comes to beat-em-ups on the Genesis, the Hyperstone Heist is purely mediocre, and if you have a SNES, do yourself a favor and spend your money on a loose copy of Turtles in Time. I don't know what a loose copy is, but that's pretty brutal. Yeah. And he's a Sega fan. How do you yeah. feel, Ash? I, I I don't know. You know, like because like I'm I'm speaking from from the memories I have as like a little kid, and and um, you know from time to time when I go and replay the game, like it's just as fun as it was all those years ago. Yeah, I, I'd probably say I'm one of those fans whose heart bleeds green. <laughs> so I, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, I, I think maybe maybe someone like Jose or, or someone who has had like very. Um, brief exposure to this game mm-hmm. and to the whole Ninja Turtles phenomenon. I think they would probably have a better opinion at it than than I would. But but for me, like this game is yeah. Th- I think nostalgia goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's. I mean, not... it gave me everything that I wanted. Like like I've I've played bad games. You know, like I like I'm I'm a huge Batman fan. But like there are some Batman games that are just trash. And um, with Ninja Turtles, I can't say I played a bad Ninja Turtle mm-hmm. game, whether in the arcade or on any home entertainment system mm-hmm. um it, it no, does it justice i think wind waker is the best zelda and i will be the first one to admit that that's because it's the one i played first but i still it's still my favorite yeah so no and i, I think uh you know matt Antonich is coming at it from his own you know perspective and yeah so jose obviously you know not having played turtles in time not really having played any other snes games or uh genesis games do you think that if this was, if you played another game that this was just a clone of, mm-hmm. do you think this game would still have value, or would you just say, well, they just did the exact same thing to cash in on a different market? And this one would be coming out first or after? This one came out second, technically third. It was the arcade cabinet, then the SNES one, then this one. See, so I can't say much about his point of view because I I haven't played the other two. I didn't know. Right. So as a as a standalone, as a, me playing this game for the first time, not never playing it before, and being a, a Turtles fan. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I, I liked everything. Uh, it, it was a little difficult at parts, but like apart from that, I like, I, it did it for me. Like It brought me in. And I feel like that's what gets lost in a lot of the reviews I read, is that they're so tied up in the 16-bit war and yeah. Turtles in Time, and whether or not SNES is better or mm. Sega is better. So I'm glad that you just got to play one, mm-hmm. because it proves that it's not just nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It is a good game, and yeah. they had a good formula that was doing well. And then another criticism was that the limited controls and enemies are too easy. This is Les Ellis of Games Master. There are only a couple of moves you can make, which means that you get fed up doing the same thing over and over. The graphics may be okay, but Hyperstone Heist is so easy you'll hardly get the chance to appreciate them as you'll finish the game so quickly. We did not have that experience, by the way. (laughs) The sound effects are patchy, while the speech is pathetic. Some of the combat noises are quite good, and the less said about the music, the better. All the guardians you come across are a breeze to defeat. The patterns are predictable, and once you learn them, you can wipe out the villains without getting hit once. Put all this together, and what do you get? Well, you get a bit of a disappointment, actually. This is perhaps the simplest and probably the least interesting Turtles game. There's absolutely nothing to do except walk, hack, punch, and kick. 
There's little finesse in the fighters, which I guess would be okay if the action was tough enough, but it's just too easy. Not great. Another interesting thing, yeah. <laughs> going back and reading these magazines, it was very, like, free reign. Because I'll read IGN and Kotaku and, like, websites like that pretty regularly, and they're, it goes without saying, but they're full-on journalists. Like, yeah. they're really good at what they do. And they had images, a lot of these writers and everything like that. And they were pretty young. And it seemed like it was more almost zine culture of people starting their own yeah. video game magazine and kind of... Kind of like this, like friends getting together and reviewing their own video games, yeah, which I like that culture. Yeah. Um, so it seems much more opinionated. Yeah, I mean, they, they probably weren't writers at all. They were just, just writing what was on their yeah, mind. Video just, game fans, yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> there, there was no internet or anything. This was all printed and, and you know, you had deadlines to meet. You had yeah. publication deadlines to meet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, whatever you had it, you put out. You know. So, yeah, that's all to say that this... These feel similar. I like that these feel similar to blog posts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rather than full on articles. I like that video games are treated so seriously nowadays that we get the Washington Post writing about the God mm. of War reboot. But I also like that Les Ellis is going off on Hyperstone Heist mm. <laughs> in Games Master. And when are these uh, reviews from? In 1992, the same year. Oh, they are? Okay, so this this whole time I'm like, so how did you, like, I thought it was, like, more, like, recent reviews. The Matt Ansonich Player One start, where he criticizes and talks about fans who bleed green, mm -hmm. that was a more recent one, where okay. he seems to be going through and playing older mm -hmm. games. Uh, but these are the Internet Archive thing, where they will take old magazines and preserve them, and it's just PDFs of the oh, entire cool. magazine. Yeah. Definitely worth uh, going back and looking at. They're beautiful, too. They have all the screenshots, and this is an era of video games that are neon and vibrant and yeah. really nice to look at. And I remember going into GameStop as a kid. It was kind of the decline of the you know, printed video game uh, review magazines and cheat code books, and those were just mm. more fun to flip through than anything else. Oh, yeah. And then lastly, we have Complex Magazine ranking Hyperstone Heist as number 68 on their list of the best 100 saga, Sega Genesis games. So hmm. ending on a positive note, overall, I thought this was a pretty good game. Most importantly, I enjoyed it a lot. It's a different kind of enjoyment from other to the more like cinematic games that I'm used to either watching or sort of playing. Uh, but it, it was definitely a, a very special kind of enjoyment uh, where I can just like hop on it. I would I would continue playing this i would just hop on it every once in a while and play it and it's its own thing I, I don't think a lot of these reviews talk about uh all the other stuff but i think it's it's a unique experience even through the, like the video game uh genre yeah and people talk about that i think when they are so ingrained into video games as a whole or the industry mm -hmm. they'll say well it needs to you know be good on its own yeah. and it's good to have somebody who can you know confirm just mm -hmm. coming from just playing this game alone that uh, you did enjoy it. And I don't know if it's because I already have, like, I already know about the Turtles or anything, but, like, that's... I think that, that might have something to play with it, but at, at the end of the day, I feel like that's... that's cool. Cool. So one thing I want to come back to for each game is uh, a question of whether or not this game is mindless entertainment or art. Mm -hmm. And I want to separate this from whether or not you enjoyed it or whether mm -hmm. or not it's a good or a bad game. I, I don't think mindless entertainment, even though it says mindless in it, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think that Rocket League, which is one of my favorite games, is technically mindless entertainment. It doesn't really cause me to actively engage with it. I can be a little bit more passive with it in mm -hmm. the same way that like a TV show that I really like can be passive. I don't think that's a terrible thing, but if you do nothing else than that, then it becomes yeah. uh, pretty bad. And the reason I want to talk about this is because video games in particular, we touched on it in the beginning of... You know, you talked about video games being a waste of time. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that even people who enjoy video games have to wrestle with a lot. Yeah. And so I'm going to read this quote from Roger Ebert, a legendary film critic who wrote an article called The Video Games Can Never Be Art, which I think is really fascinating because this was a stance that he really intensely took. And then this woman did a whole TED Talk arguing the point, and then he wrote an article in response to her there's a lot of great dialogue that came from the stance that he took, but I'll let him. This is from what year? 2010. 2010, okay, well, okay. And this is Roger Ebert. Why are gamers so intensely concerned anyway that games be defined as art? Bobby Fischer, Michael Jordan, and Dick Butkus never said they thought their games were an art form. Nor did Shi Hua Chen, winner of the 500,000 World, Seri World Series of Mahjong in 2009. 
Why aren't gamers content to play their games and simply enjoy themselves? They have my blessing, not that they care. Do they require validation in defending their gaming against parents, spouses, children, partners, co-workers, or other critics? Do they want to be able to look up from the screen and explain, I'm studying a great form of art? Then let them say it if it makes them happy. So I think that's a good point. Like we talk about video games as being art pretty defensively. I'm talking about fans of video games. And I think he's onto something about it having to come from defending the medium a lot. So that's something we're going to we're going to touch on for each of these games. I don't think video games have to be art. I think art is very subjective, but uh, I want to get your opinion on it, Jose. Do you think this game leans more towards mindless entertainment or more towards art? I think it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, I want to go back real quick to what he was saying. Yeah. Not because I think he's wrong in the fact that he's saying that it's not art. Video games are art, but I feel like they're their own specific. Like every, it's like a, a painting from a a sculpture or a sculpture to like watercolor or whatever. Like they're, they're their own art. But I think not because they're art means that everyone can be an artist to them. I feel like the people creating them and the people that like make them and, and design them, they are artists, and we or or the people that play them as gamers, they're appreciating the art. But I don't think like that a gamer should say that oh they're an artist because they're playing this game if that makes any sense it does and i think it touches on the the largest thing that i disagree with with roger ebert's and his article and he's written multiple articles about this but a lot of them i think he is operating under the idea that it has to be good art Mm -hmm. this came up from watching the documentary exit through the gift shop which has to do with a street artist that the the core debate kind of at the end of that documentary is whether or not they're a good artist Mm -hmm. and regardless of that they are still an artist and i think that something like teenage mutant ninja turtles when talking about art there i forget the the guy who brought this up but the idea of art being a crystallization of something in the real world so music being a crystallization of sound Mm -hmm. that's a shared human experience but then they crystallize it into something that we can all connect with I feel like video games are a crystallization of goals and objectives mm. and achievement and video games can wrestle with that and go against that and play with that in different ways and something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyperstone Heist, I think in its own way, doing that with intention mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. I think it still falls under artistic expression mm-hmm. in my I, I I still think that this should be something... And this is more of like my beliefs in playing video games and, and not had uh, had not done it before. Uh, I think it, it there needs to be people need to pace themselves and treat it as a reward. Because I feel like if, if you this we, we talked about this many times, but if you do it over and over again, like it doesn't like it's kind of defeating the purpose of, of those rewards that the video game is giving you. Not because I watch a shit ton of movies, it's, it makes me a filmmaker. Like I need to like work towards those goals outside of, of, of getting the reward of playing the game. Right. And it's it's the line between when does sitting and really digesting a moving piece of music, classical mm-hmm. music, when do you do that for mm-hmm. 12 hours a day and yeah. stop talking to your family and yeah. you're just sitting in your room listening to music all day? Yeah. When does that go from you're engaging with it to... Mm-hmm you're either abusing it or it's taking over your life. The piece of art is still the same. Yeah. It's the way that you interact with exactly. it. And Ash, Ash, what do you think? Um, well, I mean, I, I think it's both, you know, like like a lot of thinking, a lot of creativity, a lot of a, a lot of people's hard work went into making mm-hmm. this and whatever their end goal, I think they achieved it, yeah. you know. For them, they accomplished their work of art, what they yeah. wanted. But is it mindless entertainment? Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. the whole point. Mm-hmm. And I think um, video games from that era, that was the whole point of video games. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't meant to teach or educate. You weren't meant to become a better person after you played it. Yeah. It was it was, uh, it was, was something new. It was something revolutionary. Just sit there, stare at the TV, and beat people up. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's all it was. And I think for a lot of parents back then, um, I think that was the concern. Flash forward to today, video games are not like... Hyperstone Heist anymore. Yeah. They're very immersive. They're like mm-hmm. movies. You're a part of the action. You're a part of the story, the narrative. It's virtual reality, pretty much. Um, that's that's what it is. I think the term video game nowadays is outdated. It's it's something more. It's it's. I, I don't know what you would call it. You know, because you're a part of the story. You're a part of the decision making. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that's that's um, 
it's a, it's a virtual world. You know, it's it's um, it, it's it's incomparable to to the games that we played like 20, 30 years ago. That's why I asked when Roger Ebert wrote that article. Um, I think he wrote it in uh, 2010, you said, right? Right. Yeah, so, you know, just those 12 years from 2010 to now, how video games have evolved and, and, mm-hmm. and how they've become. You know, I think Roger Ebert is just kind of thinking of video games as like this very stereotypical, antiquated type of opinion of it. Mm-hmm. I think he was, if he was still alive today, I think he might change it slightly. But to to make it a binary choice that it's either art or endless entertainment, I say it's firmly both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with being mindless entertainment. Like 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 I told you, like at the arcade, you know, like I was there with three of my friends and we were all playing, but we were we were socializing. You know, we were strategizing. Yeah, we, we, we were together. we were critical thinking mm-hmm. in a way. You know, saying so, like you take this corner, I take that corner, and watch out for this guy. This guy jumps there. You know, it, it, it did a lot of good things. Like like it like it this mindless entertainment created friendships. It it uh, allowed you to, to think critically. It it um, allowed you to uh, think things through using strategy. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's mindless entertainment, but it does have its positives. It does have its 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 uh, its good qualities. Absolutely. Um, so. And I. I like that he brings up Bobby Fischer and chess because yeah. chess doesn't have that anxiety. Chess, the mm. chess players don't feel the need to, or basketball players or football players, they don't feel the need to have their uh, craft or whatever you want to call it looked at as art. Mm-hmm. Um, and chess, it feels much easier to say that it's not art than something like The Last of Us or God of War. Right, but I mean, like <clears throat> that argument that, he's, that he makes using Michael Jordan and Bobby Fischer... That's from the perspective of the player, you know. But that chess in, in, itself from, can from, be artistic. Yeah. From the perspective of from the perspective of the person that created the game, mm-hmm. that's that that's that's a whole different answer. Yeah, to them it's art. I mean yeah. like, that's what I was saying before, like everything and anything can be art. It's just like how you use and how you interact with it. Yeah. To someone like Like what are you creating it for? Yeah. You're you're creating something, you know. Yeah. Well and with talking yeah. about the creator, I feel like chess is a good example because it probably was a a collection of people and ideas that eventually resulted in chess, just mm-hmm. like with films or with video games or with choreographed dance numbers, it's a collection of shared yeah. uh, performers and creators that uh, are crystallizing that shared experience into one expression, and I think yeah. that that is a good operative definition of art. Yeah, and and yeah, I don't think uh, a lot of these games have to be art. I think that, or I think as a medium, they are artistic, but that it doesn't have to come with a lot of the connotations with art yeah. of it being. Yeah moving i don't think i'm gonna you know wake up a changed man having played hyperstone heist and and wondering about april o'neill but i had a damn good time and there is something to say about that yeah it's so maybe mindless entertainment for any of these isn't really fair but it is video games will always have that industry at the core of them i think more so than pretty much any other medium and maybe that's why So, last couple things wrapping up. We're going to talk about how long each game takes to beat and whether or not Jose liked them enough to continue playing. So, this game only takes one hour to beat. Mm-hmm. Do you, given the brutal die as many times and you go back to the beginning, do you think you would stick uh, with it long enough to beat it? I think it's one of those video games that I would definitely like play and then go on and off on it. I, like, just come back and play for a little bit a month later, come back. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be like. I mean, I'm saying this now, but like, I would, I don't think I'd be obsessive about it. Like, I feel like I'd, it'd be just something that I could have there and, and form entertainment with. But. Only if you could save, or if you could still not save, would you come back to it? Even then, I think I, I would. I definitely want to continue playing this. But, awesome, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, and so we're going to start our ranking list, yeah. and by we're going to have ten episodes of this season. By the end of the season, we're going to have. Uh, every game that we've played mm. ranked in a 1 to 10 list. Obviously, there's no other games to compare this to. Yeah. So we'll just say, on a scale of 1 to 10, we'll say 1 being the best, mm. since that's how we'll set it up in the end. Uh, I'm going to say a 5. Cool. I think there's definitely going to be uh, better video games, but I think there's also definitely going to be worse. Cool. So. And we can shift that around yeah. uh, every episode, and by the end we'll see, we'll see where mm. Hyperstone Heist winds up. Mm. And so, uh, Ash, I want to know... Are you playing anything right now? No. Um, so that, that kind of goes back to uh, what we originally touched upon, is that um, 
you know, like how I mentioned my friend Kevin, he had a Nintendo system, and knowing him my whole childhood, we probably spent like 10 minutes total playing Nintendo because we had other things to do, you know. Right. Um, video games just became very repetitive. It just became very one-note. Um, there wasn't really much to do there. It wasn't until I got a Sega Genesis and everything that the 16-bit system offered, and with games like this that um i just started getting more involved in video games but like like we said you know you you can't save the game you can't progress forward and there's that disappointing feeling you get when you die so you just don't want to play that again and then you give yourself a couple days maybe even a couple weeks and then you go back to it it was kind of one of those things where yeah it was a waste of time but it was a good waste of time it wasn't as immersive as video games are now i feel like if i were to get back into video games right now Oh man, it would just consume my life. Um, so you're yeah. So keeping I'm, I'm not line. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I still have my Sega Genesis hooked up, oh. and and I pop in you know Hyperstone Heist every now and then, and and I'm good with that. I mean, although I am kind of looking for a PS5, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but honestly, I, I might as a 180. But, but, but seriously, seriously, I, I might get uh, I might get a Nintendo Switch, um, huh. only because. Uh, uh, you have it, and, and some of our other mutual friends have it, and I'll, I'll get it literally just for that Ninja Turtles uh, game that they have there, which is, which... <laughs> I don't know what to do here, Ash. I feel like you just said, I have a crippling nicotine addiction. Yeah, I think no, I want to buy a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it's controlled, you know, it's controlled. Like, I wouldn't say I'm a I'm an addict, but at the same time, I would say that, uh, you know, I know, I know when to use it sparingly, you know? I think that's all yeah. I like to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel the same way about <laughs> As you see me, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. End of the season, I come back. Talk about, you know. No, it's definitely something to, to balance. It's it's yeah. like all yeah. good things. You want to you wanna take it in moderation. Yeah. And does anybody uh, have anything to plug, anything they're working on, anything they want to shed light on? Yes, I do. I need to find it, though, real quick. Well, uh, in the meantime, if you guys want to uh, read about uh, certain happenings in our culture and society, uh, why don't you head on over to willbetold.com. It's a little blog that I started. Um, talks about um, certain topics in pop culture, everything from movies to um, social media um, to uh, people who use the pandemic to make the best of it and uh, chart a new course in life. So uh, it's uh, willbetold.com. Um, yeah, go ahead, head on over, and um, have a nice read. Great website. Also touches on like important cultural events and things just going on in society, and great writing. Uh, Ash manages a website himself, and yeah. definitely a great read. Thank you, thank you. I need to do that more. I need to read more from websites because all, all everything, all my news and everything comes from Instagram and then Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I feel like doing that and thanks for the plug so yeah, yeah, no going back to Instagram real quick uh, <laughs> I'm gonna shout out this page Francisco Marin he's a photographer he does this like really cool like the way he edits the pictures seem like kind of like mm, movie wow. scenes wow. but they're literally just his photography wow. and like the, the collages he makes and shit like they're really cool it's beautiful so. that's really nice well I've got nothing and in terms of the Hyperstone heist I think I've heard all I need to hear and that's going to be our show Ash I want to thank you for coming to talk about this game this oh, a blast man. anytime anytime sounds good we'll definitely yeah. have you back next season talk about some more Sega Genesis classics Streets of Rage 2 perfect that's the it's one it's a date sounds good <laughs> Jose thanks for uh, going on this adventure with me Cowabunga dude Cowabunga, Cowabunga dude that's our show we are literally this is not a joke we are going to go eat some pizza <laughs> because we bleed green, baby. <laughs> Good night.